What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me, once again, at 1 a.m., is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing tonight? Are you okay? You still have your press pass on with your headphones on and everything. Oh, I don't. I didn't mean to put my headphones on. Yeah, you, you, you he's taking it off. I felt like an idiot now. <laughs> you made me I feel just like looked an idiot. At- <laughs> Yeah, I probably had the whole take get your, up. Take your yeah, press pass thank off, you. Colin. Thank it you. is one in the morning. Thank it's, you. The game's been over for We're four hours. We're 24-7 sports because we cover the team 24-7. 24-7. We never sleep. Ever. I, I don't think I remember sleeping. Ever. I mean, you sleep a lot. You take a lot of naps, though. Yeah. So I don't know if naps count as sleeping, technically. You know, it's like a lighter stage of sleep. <laughs> Not to get too deep into the sleep analysis of Colin yeah. Mitchell here, uh, but we're you know we're trying to you know take take y'all's minds off of um, what occurred on Saturday night between North Texas and SMU Tonight, um, last night. I okay, guess. last night. There you go. Last night. So we hope everyone's doing well. We hope everyone's safe. We hope everyone um, and you know just had a good Saturday. But uh, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot, just so much to talk about. And, you know, last year kind of prepared us for games like these, you know. Uh, so yeah, we, I'm definitely more lighthearted about this whole thing. Right? Like last year we would come in here. The S, you go listen to our SMU game last year. We came in here devastated. We came in here like. The Rice game? Oh, okay, yes. Any of the losses basically. Charlotte, you go down a list of losses that year. We were devastated. We come on here like you know, crying, you know, I'd be like, Colin, wipe your tears. We got to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And so then we do the podcast, but Just now, so we but, but now we can laugh. No, no, no. Laugh, we're not laughing. Laugh in misery. Colin, we're not laughing yet. Um, but it, it definitely, I don't know. It, I don't want to say it feels comfortable, but you know, we're, we're kind of in a position where Just there's so much uncertainty that I predict North Texas to lose by 11 personally. Uh, you went back and forth. You flip flopped on us. I went from had... I went from what I thought the score was going to be tonight. What so I went from what the score is tonight to saying they were going to win. So yeah. So there we go. But not neither of us really saw a thirty point beatdown coming at the hands of the Mustangs. We thought it would at least be somewhat close, and alas, it was not. So. North Texas obviously lost to SMU 65 to 35 and we are going to do our recap of the game again if you weren't here last week we do for football we do as many points as North Texas scored is how long the recap is going to be so 35 second recap of North Texas and SMU and then we'll get into all the good stuff after that are you ready no I'm not ready I have to I haven't decided what I'm gonna start you have three seconds also there's an alarm at the end of this one so you'll know exactly when you have to stop okay don't scare me Okay. okay three two one. 65 to 35 SMU routed North Texas. They dropped 710 yards on the main green. Uh, Shane Bouchel, Bouchel made it look easy. 24 or 33 for four touchdowns, 344 yards. Uh, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth 
form better known as USB if you watched our Periscope stream. Had 227 yards, three touchdowns. North Texas defense was inept. Um, just couldn't stop the run, couldn't do anything. The offense was really bad as well to start off the game. Didn't score. Finally put some drives together in the third quarter, but it was far too late. And it was a disgusting performance on both sides of the ball from North Texas. And It stopped, but it wasn't as loud as I wanted it to uh, that's be. That's all right, man. That's all right. I'm kind of upset with that. Right. That was very anticlimactic. Yeah, that, that was super anticlimactic. But uh, yeah, I covered everything I think I wanted to there. I think you didn't uh, decide who's going to be quarterback in that recap. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to that, <laughs> Colin. When I say we have a lot to cover, we have a lot to cover. I'm excited. I'm, I don't. I'm I don't. I'm my not legs lying. up on my desk. Yeah, you're comfortable. Um. Wow, that was said with some a little bit of slight. <laughs> All right, let's let's go. You're a little too comfortable for me right now. I'm still in my work clothes. Got and the get, slacks he, on. Yeah, he he's making fun of me for my press pass on, but this dude's got dress shoes and <laughs> belt on. You take the belt off? No, I have the belt on. You still. Took, you belt. I loosened it one notch, so that way it's really like you don't really have a belt on. But I didn't really feel like taking it off. Uh, I don't know how to. Explain. You don't want to lose it. That's what it is. I uh, yeah. It's yes, exactly. I keep losing my belt, and I just had to buy a belt before the game. Anyways, let's get into the the good stuff. Everything is the good stuff because everything went wrong for North Texas. And we asked y'all for questions. Thank you to everyone who who sent in questions. We will get to all these, whether we answer them directly or whether we get to them, you know, by answering another question. Uh, thank you all for sending in your questions. We hope you enjoy our game day coverage. Again, just like I said last week with the HBU, uh, we tried putting out gifts, stories, players, player of the games, you know, quote graphics, all of that good stuff. We feel like it enhances our coverage of the game. All right, Colin. I'm done. I'm done. What what what's the what's the phrase where you don't take something head on? I'm done not taking this head on. <laughs> there you go. There I was, you go. I don't think there is a phrase for that, but <laughs> I'm done dancing around this. We have to take it on. So, Colin, before we get into questions, let's start with I I want to start with specifically the defense. And so North Texas Eagles sent in how many games can you win with giving up 600 plus yards a game? Um, let's see. What's the problem on defense? David Larson says. Um, Alejandro Garcia said secondary and defensive line looks a lot like refit. Um, mean. Oh no, no, that's the offensive question. And yeah, the, I mean those are basically all of along the same lines. So Colin. Do you know where to start us off with the defense? Like, what was the main thing for you about this defense that stood out to you? Uh, the fact that they didn't have Tyreek Davis or Katie Davis was the main thing. Uh, when you lose your two anchors, especially at linebacker, this isn't like you lost. Like, it's a lot different when you lose like your starting safety as opposed to your starting linebackers. Your linebacker is basically the quarterback of the defense, and if you lose both of them, there's already gonna like they already should have known going into the game like we're not doing anything. Secondly, they could not tackle. To save anybody's life. Uh, Upton Stout, Colin's favorite dude on Stout Island, he couldn't tackle really. I mean, everybody just really couldn't tackle. Uh, coverage wasn't, I mean, for coverage, they were going to leave, they had a huge cushion yeah. on, in the secondary, and I think that's what they wanted to do. But you can't do that if you can't tackle anybody. Because there were so many times where you had a running back come come up the up a hole and then just like pushing him around like you're just like pushing him forward they did it with Shane Bouchelle <laughs> they they somebody hit sticked him basically Larry Nixon hit Larry Nixon hit sticked him and he just like recovered and then ran <laughs> ran for first like you got to be able to finish tackles 
There you go. That's no, you're you're right. When I talk, I talked to Clint Bowen Thursday night, maybe Wednesday night, Thursday night, one of the nights, um, <laughs> a night, and the first thing he said because I asked him about the run defense. I didn't put this in a story, I don't think, but I talked to him about the run defense, and I was like, "Do you expect the run defense, you know, to to improve, or where do you see it? Where do you think it's at right now, and how do you see it improving?" And he, the first thing he said was tackling. That's what it comes down to for them is being able to tackle, being able to get guys to the ground, which sounds easy, but obviously it is not easy. And, you know, with a shortened off season and with all the problems that they've had uh, that everybody's had, really tackling has become kind of uh, a commodity, I guess, in college football right now, because I feel like it's, it's this way in a lot of places, but North Texas definitely highlighted it. So, that was the first thing. The second thing is the pursuit of the ball, which we saw against Houston Baptist was not good because they were overrunning things. He said the, the pursuit of the ball needed to be way better because they were just, he said they were playing bad football. Like he said, there's no other way you can put, put it. It's bad football. And it was more of the same tonight. They, and it goes back to what you're saying, which I didn't even mention in the recap, which I should have is that Katie and Tyreek were both out huge losses for them. But, um, I, we'll get into that in a bit, how much I think it hurt the defense and then ultimately, you know, what I think about the entire situation. Um, so that didn't help, but it's top to bottom. It, it's top to bottom. They struggle in, you know, run, um, filling their gaps in the run game. They struggle in making the right decisions, the right reads of the past, the play action, the quarterback read options, all that stuff. They just, they don't they're a step behind yeah that's that's basically the they're reacting I'm... as opposed to exactly I, I don't know what the other acting i guess acting <laughs> <laughs> enforcing like yeah so they, they're a step behind right now and that's what we saw with Refit's defenses the la- last year especially i think you know in 2018 they were a more aggressive defense but to get a little deeper here is that bowen has been an aggressive guy everywhere he's been. And for that reason, I don't look at it as a coaching shortcoming. I look at it more so of, you know, you didn't have your inside linebackers. I think even if they had both of them, it still would have been a struggle. They still would have given up probably 50 plus points just because how bad they were in from top to bottom. Like, Any coverage? Nobody was good on the defense. Yeah. Nobody. I was watching Dion Neville trying to see if he took advantage of that matchup that we saw at Texas State take advantage of, like the inside lineman. SMU did a fine job on Dion, Dion Neville. He made some, he had some plays where he shot the gaps and he was able to get in the backfield, but it was a run the other way or something like that. There was nobody on that defense that looked good. Um, Kevin Wood had 12 tackles. Kyla Howe had 11 tackles. And. You heard me right. Kyle Powell started at linebacker. Former fullback as of a week ago. Former fullback. They played a fullback at freaking linebacker. Notably over Grayson Murphy and Gabriel Murphy. Gabriel Murphy and I mean, go down, uh, uh, I mean, Taylor Jacobs. Yeah. You go down the list of, of players that he played over. And this gets into a point that I'm highlighted on my cider is that the inexperience on this team is something that we're. I want to get into it later on because I want to focus on the defense right now. But the inexperience on this defense specifically was magnified tonight. 
they just fell apart. Without, when you lose your two best leaders. When they they fell apart, with, apart without those two. Because yeah. then you look at the defense, and I turned to you and I said, all right, Cam Johnson and Deion Novell are the only two that started against SMU in 2019. Every other position is someone else. And it, it especially makes a difference when you look at the three linebackers, didn't play SMU last year, didn't start last year, obviously. And the secondary, besides Cam Johnson, Quinn Whitlock, Deshaun Gaddy, Keelan Crosby, who also got hurt, went out in the first drive of the game, basically, when he made that tackle on the sideline. And he was replaced by Jackson Gibbs, who also didn't start. And Mikhail Sanders. And so, top to bottom, on this defense, you're like, not only are they a step behind, but these guys are just not experienced players. Like, these guys, even if they were on the same page and had, you know, knew what was coming... They still have to go make the play. And that's what I don't think they could even do. And so let's start with the corners because uh, unless you had something to say about the inexperienced part, I guess. I mean, the only thing I would say is that to your point, uh, Reggie Robertson was guard- was covered by Upton Stout. Yeah, later in the second half especially. Like, that's who you had against true freshman. An, an NFL. Yeah, a true freshman against an NFL-level receiver. Yeah, exactly. Like, what... what <laughs> That that just amplifies the whole thing. No, yeah, and if you want to look at it, even from Kyla Powell is going against Shane Bouchel. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like like Shane Bouchel is looking at Kyla Powell like, who's this dude? Who this? <laughs> what? And Kyla Powell had a good game. I don't want to take anything away from Kyla Powell. Kyla Powell had a pretty damn good game. I he they they tried using him. How do I word this? They tried using him like aggressively, so that way he didn't have to think too much. So it's just like yeah, go. Just go. Go make a tackle. Go blitz. And so he was shooting a lot of gaps, which opened up the run game in a lot of areas that maybe it wouldn't have been open if, you know, Katie and Tyreek have more freedom to kind of watch the play unfold. Um, At least that's what I took from it. Kyle Powell was being really aggressive, and it paid off. You know, he had 11 tackles, uh, one tackle for loss, seven solo tackles. Um, I will say Shane Bouchelle completely outran him on that third quarter run uh, stretch where Kyle like tries running him down and then dives and misses him and Shane gets a first down. And I'm like, you know, that's where that's the difference, obviously, between Kyle and the Davis boys is that um, he has to just go in a sense and he can't really read and react. But uh, other than that, I think <laughs> for the situation he was put in, he played very well. Yeah, I had no problem with him. Again, I had a problem with not playing Gabriel Murphy. You're starting Gabriel Murphy. That's my problem. Um, why the hell would you start? For a few reasons. The first of all, which being just give Gabriel Murphy the start for confidence purposes. He's a redshirt freshman. He was one of your highest rated recruits in the 2019 class. Grayson Murphy as well. Um, Taylor Jacobs is also a very good player. Gabriel Murphy not getting the start and you flipping Kyla Powell to linebacker who I know he's played linebacker in high school. I'm sure he's been on the defensive side of the ball for more than just one week. I'm sure he's been right, in like meetings. scout team. And- yeah, I'm sure he's done sh- stuff before, but start Gabriel Murphy in that game. Like just give, throw him out there. Cause I didn't even see him really until the third quarter, like late in the third quarter. And that's why I was like, where has this dude been? So I don't know because, but they clearly just used Kyleb as more of like a attack type type of player. Um, I think that covers everything I had from the linebackers. Larry Nixon was not very good either. Kevin Wood was probably better than than Larry, but none of them really stood out at all. And again, nobody on this defense played well, so I'm not saying anything crazy. To the secondary though, Deshaun Gaddy 
and Quinn Whitlock. Was it the first play of the game or the second play of the game where they hit the double move and Deshaun Gaddy bit? He got brooksed. He got brooksed. First he, play. He got brooksed. And that's where Keelan Crosby got hurt. And boom, gone. Keelan Crosby goes, makes a tackle, gets hurt. That's when I was like, ah, yes. Ah, yes. They're playing an actual offense that like watched some film and said, wait, 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 wait. They have a retro freshman starting at corner against Reggie Robertson or Rasheed Rice or who I don't remember who the pass was too. But I think it might have been to Rasheed Rice. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's gonna bite on this. Like, just wait. Just it literally he was I think he was the only route on that side because it was a play fake to the to the to the quarterbacks to the offense's left. And then Bouchelle comes back right and boom launches it. Wide open. Goes. That's what happens when you play good offenses. They can take advantage of things that you don't think are problems. Like, okay, yeah, Deshaun Getty's a rusher freshman, but he's good, right? Like, yeah, he's it, good. Against Houston Baptist, he was good. Like, we know he's got the physical attributes. Right. This this comes to, like you just said, physical attributes as opposed to knowing what you're supposed to do against an offense like yes. that. It's just, you have you have Shane Buchel, who was a good big, big 10. 12. 12, sorry. Not a UT fan, thank you. A good, uh, <laughs> good big 12 quarterback. And now he's a really, really good ACC AAC quarterback against a North Texas starting. Yeah, he knows what to basic. look for. Right. He's been in these he's situations. Yeah, it's it's a completely different animal. And um, what was I gonna say? Is that the that Deshaun Gaddy play showed me a lot. Um again with him being what we perceive to be one of the better corners on this team. To get beat like that right off the bat showed me, oh, yes, SMU knows what they want to do, knows who they're going to attack, knows how they can attack, and knows that they have the playmakers to do what they want to do. And so as the game wore on, they just continued to beat down North Texas however they wanted to. Run, pass, um, the, Bouchelle could move. I mean, they, there was nothing that they tried that looked difficult for them in any way, shape, or form. And that... Um, I want I want to get back to what you said about Sean Gaddy and what I, I was kind of mentioning is that they were eager. All of those young players on both sides of the ball were eager. Right, they bought in completely to wanting just to destroy SMU. They wanted yeah. that, and then they were just like, "This is my opportunity against an actual that, team. Exactly. Like this is that, this is that's it. what I mean. Yeah, this is my first real game. Like this is the first game on national TV. You know, I got." Family watching. This is, you know, an environment where I'm starting. We got Deshaun Gaddy here, Quinn Whitlock coming from Juco. The secondary, all new. Devontae McCray off the edge. He didn't have a great game, but he had an offsides penalty. Like, that's just antsiness. And then the offensive line, which we'll get to later, five false start penalties in the first half. Three of those guys have never started before at the Division One level. There's a reason for it. It's because they're young. It's because they're coming from Juco's. It's because they're raw prospects that need to continue to develop. And they get out there against SMU and... A, they were antsy, and B, they were scared as hell playing against SMU. And because that's what happens when you get false starts, it's not just because, oh, there was a mistake. When you get five false starts in a first half, this is going to the offensive side of the ball, I don't care. When you get five first false starts in a first half, it's because you're scared of that defensive end just going by Three you. of them by Antarius Gray. That you are scared yeah. of the man across from you beating you so you're like all right i need this i can't be laid off the ball i gotta get boom into my stance hands up feet level i'm there five 
in the first half. I, I just checked my notes to make sure that was right. Because I was like, because I wrote down two. I have it, I had it written down when it was two, Colin. You see that on my notes? I had it written down two early false starts. And then I kept adding three, four, <laughs> Tallied five, yeah. one in the second half as well. Six in the game. And again, I and and not to get too far in the offensive line, but I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well. But they were a microcosm of this entire team, which extends to the secondary, which is what we're talking about, which extends to Deshaun Gaddy biting on that play fake. They wanted to make plays, but you can't make plays against SMU when your eyes are just glued to one thing. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. That's exactly what they had. And as a result, SMU was like, oh, we've been here before. We've we've been in big games. They've lost big games just as like with this team. They've lost uh, they got didn't they get blown out by La Tech in the bowl game last last year? That was a few years ago. I'm pretty sure SMU lost their bowl game last year. I don't think it was to La Tech, was it? Let's see. I shot a La Tech SMU game a few years ago and they lost. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Ben Hicks is still quarterback. Wow. Uh, they lost to FAU. I'm sorry. They got blown out by FAU in their bowl game, 52 to 28. They've played UCF. Like they've played Memphis, who was ranked. They've played Navy, who was ranked. They played Houston. This is not a team that is caught off guard by playing their first big game of the season on national TV. This was a this was a walk in the park for Shane Bouchot, for Sonny Dykes, for the offense and the defense. Was had tunnel vision. The defense is young. The defense is inexperienced. The defense was out of position. The defense was without their two. I'm not gonna say the two best players. I think Dion Novell is a better player, but two of the three best players. And as a result, SMU dropped 65 on them and over 700 yards. Like you, I can't fathom 700 yards of offense because that's what North Texas did to Houston Baptist. And Houston Baptist defense looked like shit. I'm sorry, Colin. I'm, my innocent. But brain that's what North. That's what North Texas looked like. My innocent brain couldn't take it. No, but it's because I've been trying to hold back from cussing on this podcast for so I know, long. I've, I've I've caught you a couple times catching. But you. I had no other way to say that. North Texas looked like Houston Baptist did when North Texas played them. They did. That's how bad they, they did. looked. They did. And that is embarrassing. And there, there's a lot of points we're going to get to later on in which I have similar vigor for. But, Colin, please, uh, do you have anything else on this defense? Uh, I think you covered it with your vigor. This dude's sitting back in his chair, biting his pen. I just need a second. Just need a second. I want to make sure we answered everybody's questions. <laughs> let's let's. I do want to move on, actually, before we do anything. Are we worried about this defensive line now? Yeah, actually, you bring up a great point. That's a great question. Because... I've been waiting for a Dion Noville play, and I have yet to see it in either Houston Baptist or SMU. I've been waiting for Devontae McCray to come off the edge. Houston Baptist. Dion, yeah, he was good. He wasn't he great. W- right. I'm waiting for, De- but he's supposed to be great. That's yes. that's the thing. Yes. I'm waiting for Devontae McCray to come off the edge and get a sack. The only player I've seen to get in the backfield is Kevin Wood. Only player mm. in these two games. So I am extremely concerned with this defensive line, not only because they can't get pressure on the quarterback, they haven't stopped the run. They allowed 227 yards to USB. Shout out USB. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I I really hope everyone gets that reference. That's, but that's, they probably won't. 
They do know. It's Ulysses you said it, you Bentley. Said, you said it at the beginning. Yeah, I said his name. And then TJ McGride didn't even have a bad game either. Is that That's his name, right? Wait, which one? 25 on the running back. No, no, no. You're thinking of the Texas State quarterback. That's uh, McDaniel. McDaniel's McDaniel. I'm sorry. He had a pretty good game. And Shane Bouchelle had like multiple. You don't need Shane Bouchelle running. If Shane Bouchelle is running down your throat, he ran more than Jason Bean did. How many rushing yards did he have? 29. 29 rushing yards. You want to know Jason Bean had? How many? He had... 14. I'm looking at it now. 14. 14 rushing yards. Jason Bean, the quote-unquote Kyler Murray of Conference USA, as you as you wanted to compare him to, had less rushing yards than Shane Bouchelle. Guys, we have an issue. Defensive line. It is multifaceted for me. Because, yes, the pass rush is still concerning. The only time I saw them get pressure on Bouchelle, which, did they sack him? They didn't sack him, did One they? One time. They did? It was Kevin Wood. Oh, shout out Kevin Wood. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I remember it now. I remember it now. They had a sack, yes. Um, But other than that, like, really the only time I saw them get pressure on him was when they brought six. They brought all three linebackers and manned up on the outside. And Jackson Gibbs had that play that almost hit you. The play that almost hit you. That was terrifying. The play that you said you almost, quote-unquote, died. They, they weren't even close to you. But that play, when Jackson Gibbs is in man coverage in the back of the end zone, they brought six. And that was when I was like, okay, they're trying to blitz. Good for them. Like, they're trying something. Well, that was also the, the time where they just, like, tried to... Run, yeah, they were screwed. Ran the punt. Anyway, so they <laughs> yes, were just, like, that's throwing away. Like, they were screwed. Uh, but, no, that that's when I saw it. But to your point... The defensive line alone is not going to create pass rush. Of course not. And but it starts there. Yes, that it, it is where it starts. But I need to see, and I, I want to be able to rewatch this game to look at this closer, but they need Larry Nixon, Kevin Wood, the linebackers to get the sacks. This is the 2018 defense. When you play a 3-3-5 like he's doing, like Reffitt did, you need it's the linebackers that need the sacks. Unless you have Ladarius Hamilton on the edge, which Devonta McCray is not Ladarius Hamilton, and that's where the that's where the struggles come from. Because I feel like, and this someone asked if it was time to ditch ditch the three three five defense. I don't remember who asked this, but um, that's I feel like just after watching the three three five defense for the past five years now, I it's kind of predictable because there's only one way you can get pressure. And it's from bringing the linebackers, which I feel like. And again, I'm not. I'm not no quarterback. I'm not. I'm not analyzing this. I haven't even rewatched the game yet, so I'm just kind of speaking off what I'm thinking. But I feel like if I'm a quarterback, I can just read the linebackers. So if the linebackers sit, then I know I have five on three up front. I'm not worried about getting pressure pressured, if that makes sense. But if I see the linebackers come, I know. I have probably a man on the outsides. I probably can look for my man routes. I can probably do this and that. I feel like it's just easier to see. If you're in a four-man front, you obviously have four on five, which already is a massive difference between three on five. Like that's four on five is a massive difference. And that's where my concerns kind of start because I feel like the pass rush is so reliant on the linebackers. It makes it harder on the secondary. And to go back to our 2018 is a prime example. The linebackers, Blitzed like hell, and the corners manned up on the outside, and they were great. Nate Brooks, Kimon Hall, amazing. They're in the NFL. Yes, they're in the NFL. <laughs> they're in the NFL. That's what you need, and that's my concern. 
is that it, you have to, and I said this last year, we've said this before, is I feel like in this defense, you have to have a very specific type of talent. I've talked to Clint Bowen probably four or five times in this calendar past six months. And he def obviously knows what he's talking about. Like he's he's a ge- he's a very smart guy. I'm not gonna call him a genius, but he's the very <laughs> smart guy. Like he's coached a keep to leave Chris Harris. Like he's coached good Kansas defenses. He's coached against a bunch of Big Twelve offenses. He knows what he's doing. So I'm not gonna come in here and be like, oh well, he should get out of this. I'm just saying what I feel like I'm seeing, mm-hmm. and I could be wrong, but this is what I feel like I'm seeing. This is what I feel like everyone's seeing is that. They can't get pass rush unless if they bring the linebackers and we can't man up on the outside. So how are we going to get pressure? You don't have to answer that, but that's just, that's just the concern that I'm, I'm having here. So, um, yes, it is a defensive line problem, but it's a schematic problem as well. Probably in my opinion right now that they have, but they're not going to get out of three, three, five. Also Cam Johnson, <laughs> we have, we haven't seen we haven't we haven't seen him. Cam Johnson didn't look. Remember we we were typing him up to be like the 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 free safety ish. Um, yeah, I mean, we he were told up, he was the free he safety. was he lined up at corner. No, he is a nickel. Yes, he's a he's a corner. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see any of that dynamicism that we. I didn't see him roaming. I didn't see him try to. I mean, he just he manned up with who he was manning up on and there he stayed there he didn't do anything so but i think that's a that's an also like okay i can't give up my guy because i can't trust somebody else i can't trust the safety behind me yeah to get him just this defense doesn't hasn't played with each other and they there's no reason for them to have to be able to trust each other at this point which is another huge issue and i will say before we move on that it's also very hard to judge this defense off of these two games one because it's Houston Baptist and they just ran quick plays. Quick plays, and this game it's hard because they're on a talent level that is not seen in Conference USA, and the fact that you didn't have your linebackers. So I also I don't want I I obviously understand that this defense isn't going to be good, but I also want us to understand that we can't jump the gun on. Oh God, they're, they're going to be giving up sixty five points every game. Yeah, yeah. Um. But we said before the season we expected defense to struggle. Of course, like this isn't this isn't a. And that's what makes coming into this podcast. That's what makes coming out of this game so you know different from last year. Is we said the defense was going to struggle. We said this was a loss before the season, and that's again why I play down the significance of this game because it's SMU. You're not better than SMU. I'm sorry. I know North Texas fans want to be better than SMU, and I know that they actually have won some games in the past, you know, uh, I think like 10 or so meetings um, against SMU, going back to like 2009 or 10, whatever it was. But the talent difference, starting in recruiting. And transfers. And transfers, yes. Not even, yeah. I wasn't even going to get to transfers until the end, but yes. Recruiting. And then you add the transfers like Shane Bouchelle, like uh, Stevens at corner. It's it's a different Reggie Robertson from West Virginia. Right. The type of transfers that North Texas get is a third string quarterback from Alabama that a true freshman starts over. Yeah, or Nick Harvey. Shout out Nick Harvey. Or Nick Harvey. <laughs> but um, like it's just until North Texas gets to that level that SMU is at recruiting wise, which SMU is 
pulling four-star quarterbacks, press like they're they're on a different level right now, and that's what has to be scary. And not even in a in a sad way or anything like that. I wouldn't be looking at, it, but like recruiting is the difference in this game. It's not schematics. It's not. I mean, we we're gonna talk about schematics obviously because that's what happened on the field, and we were gonna talk about what happens on the field. But this game, this game's about recruiting. Yep. And about the players you have, because I, mean, I was I was thinking while I was watching the game, I was thinking you, this team plays another team that's on their level. They're not doing this, obviously. FAU, like you said, FAU yes. destroyed them in the bowl game. Yes, and FAU was known for recruiting because of Lane Kiffin. Yeah, they they just got the uh, what's his name, son. Yeah, Sanders. Yeah, like they get guys, and North Texas is on the way up on exactly. trying to get there, and that gets to our. The point, I guess I'll go to real quickly and then we'll go to the offense, but it goes to what the entire argument we had last year. I'm not going to rehash it. I'll probably find the episode and maybe we'll I plug think it, it the somewhere. SMU podcast. I don't think it was. I'm pretty it sure was, it was later. It, it was No, it was SMU or Houston. Might have been Houston. I think it was Houston. I think it was Houston. It was not. SMU is too early in the season. Yeah, because it was SMU and then like UTSA and then Houston. So it was like Houston. But... This is a gap year. Yep. That's what it is. Foundation. And I saw someone use I saw someone on Twitter say it and I don't know if they listen to the podcast or not. But hey, give us some credit here. <laughs> we were talking about this last year. It's true. We were talking last year about this year being a gap year. And it's just obvious. It's it's obvious for anyone to see. It's like, oh, they sucked at recruiting the first two years, three years. But they had Mason fine. And they had Rico Bussy and Jalen Guyton who panned out. Luckily. Right. You're this, not going to get we lucky. We could be talking a completely different situation if Jalen Guyton or Rico didn't pan out. Oh, we're probably talking about a different head coach. Exactly. Like, exactly. No, exactly. We're talking about a different team at this point. And again, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get back into this, but those guys, those type of guys, Brandon Gardner, EJG, transfers, again, piecing things together, it panned out. Two straight seasons, nine wins. Great. Round of applause. Last year, you go look at their depth. You go look at their players. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It's not the same. You're, you're, you, you've are you got lucky with Mason Fine. You got lucky with EJ Agia. You got lucky with Kimon Hall, Nate Brooks. Jalen Guyton. Jalen Guyton. You developed them. Credit to y'all. Y'all did your jobs. But it's not sustainable here. You have to recruit well. Right. And that's what they've started doing in 2019. And 2020. Right. You accelerated the process. Exactly. Exactly. So now we're looking at SMU, like how we're hoping North Texas to look at North Texas in two years. I'll right. say two years. No, no, you're right. Because before, well, before you came here, when I came here, SMU had just gotten beaten by North Texas. Mm-hmm. And it was SMU was one of the worst teams in the country. And North yeah. Texas is this up and up team. And they flipped. Yep. Yeah, it's it's that it's that quick. So you don't have to look very far to where right. this game went awry. This isn't a 10-year process. Go look at the 2017 recruiting classes. Yeah. And then go look at the transfers that have come in in the immediate future uh, past that have helped SMU win this game. Like it's it's simple. It's not it's not rocket science here. The better players are going to win most of the time. Now, with that being said, again, that was a whole freaking 45 minute uh spiel on, on the Houston podcast whenever that was we did that man that was heated 
It, well, you want to know why? Because we drove back. Was it? For, oh no, we didn't drive back from Houston. I was gonna say we drove. I don't remember when that. I don't. I don't think that spiel was was one of those games because I'm pretty sure it was an afternoon podcast. Was it okay? Yeah, I don't know. but no, we'll yeah, it, it got brought up and we just went. Yeah, we just, went ballistic. Yeah. Um. But anyways, yeah. That that's the difference right now. And so then this gets into another point, which I think can go into the offense kind of smoothly. They don't have depth right now because it's inexperienced, which we've talked about. They're having to play Kevin Wood. They're having to play um, even Larry Nixon's a retro sophomore. Like you look at guys like that and you're like, oh, Larry Nixon should be at least good. He's in his second year. Right. And, and think about it. This and he way. didn't even start last you year. You have guys didn't play. who are a year like Upton Stout going against Reggie Robertson. Yeah. He played high school last year. Deshaun Gaddy played high school two years ago. You have guys who just Kyle Powell only has high school experience as a linebacker. Yeah. Like in a in a against another team setting. Like there's guys on this defense who are basically kids. Yeah. 19, 20. Like you're starting against grown men out there that have played. Shane Bouchel's damn near what? Is he 23 years old? Yeah. Played in the Big 12. Played. Like, yeah. What, like what? you have you have guys. Like <laughs> it's not the same. And then yeah and. Yeah, and so I think that's the the solace that everyone can take from this is that last year was the peak. This is the beginning, I guess, is what you would you would say. I mean, last year you're saying last year, like as far as like it, that was, it's a fresh start this year, that's right? What well, I'm saying that that was that was the best that team was gonna get because it was built for that year. Yeah. Whereas this is you're now building something future, again, again, again. It's about so it can only get better. Whereas last year everyone knew. Nick Harvey's not going to be here next That's year. That's what the panic was last year, if, if y'all remember, is that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there's 24 seniors on this team, Mason yeah. Pines on this team, they need to win now. Well, And I'm not even talking about offense, I'm just like, Kyrie Mohamed's gone, Taylor Robinson's gone, these are supposed to be our, our, our best players on defense, what are we going to have next year? And we have this now, yep. and I think that they're, they did good things, but obviously the inexperience completely showed to me. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, again, we'll watch the development of guys like Kevin Wood, Deshaun Gaddy, Upton Stout, um, Keelan Crosby. I believe is a retro sophomore as well. So that's another yeah. young guy. It's just you're just, there's so much youth on this defense. I'm not surprised they gave up a lot of points. 65 is kind of a lot, like more than I would hope. But I'm not surprised they gave up a lot. <laughs> uh, so, um. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball, and like I talked about with the offensive line, how they have three new players in there. You know, they have guys giving up or false starts because they're kind of antsy, as Coach Luttrell said. Um, they are. I I don't I want to start with the offensive line, but there's not too much to say besides I think they were good besides the false starts. Yeah. No, I, didn't I, I don't have a problem. I thought it was run blocking. I thought they were very good. They only gave up one sack? Yeah, I thought they were very good run blocking. I thought pass protection was fine. Like they were Were they the best unit on this in this team on this team? No. Who was? Running backs. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Because I don't think I don't think DeAndre Torrey was very good. Besides, it's one touchdown. Bro, they didn't have a run over 10 yards. That's, no. Um, offensive line was the best unit on this team. Running back second, yes. Um, But, 
yeah, the offensive line, I, I had no problems with. I thought they were very, very solid, which is exciting. But yeah, I mean, you have Chris Cassidy out there, young guy. Who would have thought that's what we'd come on the podcast and say? <laughs> right? <laughs> Unit power rankings I should put out tomorrow. <laughs> probably, probably, I might. I might. But um, but yeah, offensive line was fine. Um, we're going to... We'll get to the quarterbacks in a second. Receivers, Jalen Darden, I predicted him to have, have a good game. He did have a good game. Six, five for 66, two touchdowns. Austin Nagumakin, three receptions, 47 yards. I mean, listen to the names that are catching patches, passes real quick. Because Jair Shorter was nowhere to be found. Yeah, he caught two passes at the end of the game. He was nowhere to be found. Listen to these names. So after Jalen Darden, you have Austin Nagumakin, Roderick Burns, Jair Shorter, like you said, had two catches at the end, Jake Roberts, Deontay Simpson, Greg White, Jason Pirtle. Yeah. Uh, they don't feel as explosive as we were hoping. No, and I don't even think that was a product of the quarterbacks necessarily. I didn't see, like, I didn't see Jair Shorter get open over the top. I didn't see, I mean, the most explosive looking receiver is probably Roger Burns on that sideline run. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the catch. I mean, there was no... For for the strongest talent on this team, yeah, I didn't see a lot of it. Did Deontay have a catch? Deontay, yeah, he did. He had a touchdown. Yeah, he had the one fifty-six yard touchdown pass. Yeah, I just i i base this game, I base everything off this game as what happened in the first two quarters. That told me everything about this team, because oh, yeah, it's easy to score whenever you get the first first down and whenever you you know start picking up momentum and you can run your no huddle and you can do exactly what you practiced. But what are you going to do when you play a good team and the first drive of the game you go three and out? What do you do that second possession? Oh, you go three and out again? What do you do the third possession? Oh, you get one first down and then punt? Those drives explain everything to me about yeah. this offense. Yeah. I will say, however... That after those three drives, they didn't have Tory run out there first. They didn't have Bean. Obviously, wasn't there at the yeah, time, and that's they, when they Austin had the, after the third. Then he threw a pick. But yeah, the point is, is that they also had to switch it up just because they didn't like what they saw. Um, but no, I completely agree with you. At the same time, that I mean, we saw after Ani came back that he was unable to after the pick that yeah. he was unable to do anything. So, what did I say before? on our preview podcast that could not happen. I said that Jason Bean could not come out after three possessions of punt, punt, interception. Remember that? I was saying if, because if he comes out, that means that they've, that it's gone wrong early. And if they went wrong early, SMU was not going to wait. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. And this comes back to the point. Well, I guess we're not on the quarterback talk yet, but this comes back to the point also is they played both guys and they did exactly what, we wanted them to do, which we I guess we can talk about in a second since we're still talking yeah. about offense. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But I mean, I, I'm more talking. Yeah, I'm talking about the the slow start. Is that I yeah said this that you can't go punt punt interception, yep. which is virtually what happened. Punt 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 against SMU and be okay. And that's why I said you need Jason Bean to be good. You need Jason Bean to come out here and play a really solid game from start to finish in order to have a chance to win this game because that means at the beginning of the game you're not giving up. You know, you're not getting in a hole. And that's why I think I wrote this in the round table. I don't remember where I wrote it. I wrote it somewhere. But Jason Bean was the wild card for me 
the wild card X factor for me going into this game because if he played well, that means that they're not in a hole. That means they don't need to see Austin on it because he's playing well. Like, and that means he's using his legs. He's accurate. He's not turning it over. Like, a lot of this game relied on Jason Bean starting the game. Like, if Austin Ani would have started the game, it relied on him. But it's on Jason Bean. And that might be unfair, but, you know, you got the job. You want the job. You want to have a chance at the job. And as a, at the quarterback position, they look scared, and he looked scared to throw the ball. Yeah. And no, I tweeted. Completely. I tweeted out. After on six plays, Jason Bean has not attempted a pass. I believe four, three of them were runs, like just hands off, handoffs. One of them was the fumble. One of them was the fumble, and the other two were being dropped back, and tucked in and ran. Yep. Which is exactly what we said we did not want to see. Exactly. Exactly. We need to see Jason Bean be decisive. We need to see him be precise. We need to see him make plays with his arm first, his leg second. And right from the start of the game, he made plays with his legs first and his arm second. And the result is getting pulled. Yep. Yep. So, and another thing that played in SMU's favor for points scored, which obviously didn't help the defense, they had 34 minutes of possession, whereas North Texas had 25. Yeah. I mean, that, again, it comes back to that, that beginning of the game of the, of the offense just being in mud. And I'm I'm kind of torn because on one hand, I'm pissed. I can't believe that we're still sitting here because this happened last year too where they got off the slow starts. So if you change the personnel and the same things happen. Do you think that they are so – because teams come out with a script to begin games. Yes. Do you think that they are too stuck to the script and teams know that? Because I feel like it was – this is how it went. You brought out Bean, first play. It was a run with Tory. He got a yard. Run with Torrey again. He gets three yards. Second and six. Four, third and six. Third and six. Give it to Bean. What do you expect him to do in a third and long situation when he hasn't thrown a pass against an actual defense? Well, he goes and runs it, and they don't get it. Yeah. Punt. Same same exact thing happens the next time, except Bean runs twice instead of once. And then you try to, quote-unquote, mix it up by doing a fake punt. Like, what are... <laughs> oh, I haven't what, even touched on that what, yet. Like... What are we doing? If you if you want to mix it up, how about you throw on first down and run on third down? You know, there there are there are so many different things you can do and I feel like that's that's a, it's exactly what we I mean, it's the same thing we complain about is why aren't they starting games the way they want to end the game, which is in the hurry up offense that Oni ran in the third quarter. It's in, you know, all of the curl routes and the out routes that they ran with uh Darden. Darden. Exactly. It's it's with, you know, Outside runs. I didn't. Why are you playing safe when you don't want to play safe? You know what I mean. It, it makes no sense. Oh man. Especially as as an offensive coach, like you, that's been in this situation so many times, and to just feel like. All right, I'm ready to have this quarterback conversation. Hold on. Can I bring up a point? Okay, go, ahead, go ahead. It would be interesting to look back at Seth's North Carolina film and see how he started games. It would be. I need I, to find that. Because I, I think that it's... I feel like we've complained... Every complaint about the offense is how they play too safe. And when it was Graham Harrell, we thought it was Graham Harrell when Seth admitted that he called those safe safer plays. Yeah. It's it's a bunch of things like that, and I think it would be interesting to go back. Yeah, Anyways, com- let's, let's go to the... It comments. comes back to the trail. Um... We had one question. Uh, I'll I'll check who it is. 
So NCSN said, why do they keep doing a two-quarterback system? We'll get into that. Um, where was the other one? Taylor asked, is the quarterback competition causing the two to make risky throws slash decisions in an effort to secure the job? That's where I want to start. Thank you for your question. It seems like they're both trying for the big play, right? And I can understand why someone would watch that and be like, oh, well, they're trying to win the job. They're trying to get touchdowns. They're trying to make the big play. They're trying to move the ball because obviously running the ball is not working, so you have to do something. When I see that, I see, and this goes back to what I said after the Houston Baptist game, the long throws don't mean shit to me. They mean nothing to me. Need a, need a swear jar on the podcast. They mean nothing to me. <laughs> nothing. Anyone, anyone, any high school quarterback can see a man running a post route or running a goal route and throw a 40-yard pass and make it pretty damn good. Yeah. Most most high school pitchers could probably do it. And <laughs> and that's exactly what the DNs Houston Baptist. Oh, Greg White's running down the field with the man on him. Let's just throw it up to him. Oh, touchdown. Jalen Darden's streaking down the middle field wide open. Touchdown. Jair Shorter, touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown, because you're throwing 40-yard passes. And we didn't see a single intermediate throw. I said last podcast, how many difficult throws did we see them throw? None. And now... They play SMU. What do they do? And why are we getting questions like this? It's because they do the same thing because they haven't been challenged. They don't know what to look for here. They're looking at Jair Short running down the field. And, oh, my God, Jair Short is not open. Uh, What do I do? Uh, uh, I'll just throw it up to Greg White. Like, what are we doing? Throw it up to Jalen Darn in the corner of the end zone with a corner underneath and a safety coming over the top. <laughs> Where are you throwing the ball? To Jalen Darden, who's my height. How tall are you, Rooney? I'm 5'7". He admitted it. Yeah, he's mad. He's mad, boys. I can't believe the way these quarterbacks have been coddled in the past couple years. To look at Mason Fine and say, you can do that. You can, See what Mason is doing? You can do that. The only problem is Mason Fine took hits in the pocket while he was delivering. This offensive line has already been better than them. Mason Fine. Any Mason Fine. Any Mason They're, they're keeping him up, right? I respect that. Mason Fine's been hit. He's been throwing slants over the middle. He saw a crossing route to Rico when UTSA hits him in the face and they make a touchdown. And he doesn't even know the touchdown happens. Yep. They are hitting tough passes. That's what Mason Fine did. That's what good quarterbacks do. Jason Bean and Austin Ani do not have to make good, have not had to make tough throws because I don't think they've been challenged to make those tough throws. And there was a time, there was multiple times where Austin Ani missed an open receiver. And I think he was better than Jason Bean, but he was not good. I don't give a damn what the stats say. Jason Austin Ani rolls left, Greg White streaking across the middle of the field against the zone, and he's open. Austin Ani had his eyes on one person the entire time. I believe it was Jalen Darn on the left. He rolls out left. I'm like, holy crap. Greg White's wide open across the middle of the zone. They're not looking for that. They are looking at one receiver, maybe two receivers, and they're saying, okay, if that's open, that's going to be open. Uh, I hope it's open. I hope it's open. Uh, oh, crap. The break didn't create the separation. Uh, I'm going to go run. <laughs> that's what it's turned into. Mason Fine, progression, progression, progression. Hit Greg White over the middle. Instead, Austinani waited, looked, rolled left, and threw it away on the left side. 
I have to find the play because it it was infuriating. I think I've I think I might have clipped it actually. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna show you now because there's there's like too many plays over here to clip. But it was maddening. It was incredible to see the lack of progression from these quarterbacks. To see the lack of vision that they had. And that comes from nothing more than, in my opinion, a lack of coaching. No. I. You've had three years. This is year three with Jason Bede and Austin Ani. Learning under Mason Fine. You're not learning under a scrub. You're learning under Mason Fine. You're sitting in film sessions with Mason Fine. You see his eyes. You see what he's doing. You're there every single day at practice. Every single day watching Mason Fine work. And you're out here running around like you're Michael Vick. <laughs> Be a pocket quarterback. Make the plays you need to make. Use your legs when you have to. Oh, man. And take the hits. <laughs> I'm crying. You okay? Make the plays. You okay? No, I'm not okay. Because it comes back on the coaching. It does. It does. It, and again, it, that coach would be Seth Luttrell at, this, at yes, this exact time. At this time, it would be. And that's where I'm... And that's why I see these questions and I'm like, you know what? That's a damn good question, but it shouldn't be a question because there should be some variance. And this gets back to what you're saying. It's predictable. Jair Short is on go routes. You know why he had zero catches through three quarters? Because SMU watched game one. Right. They said, oh, he's just going to throw it to Jair Shorter. Let's just not let them throw it to Jair Shorter. So he throws it to Greg White on deep balls. He throws it to Austin Agumikin on deep balls. Those guys are fine. They're fine. But they're not Rico Bussey. They're not Jalen Guy. And they're not Jair Shorter. And building your offense, especially your pass game, around a big play is the most unsustainable decision. I'll say that. I've ever heard. You want to know an interesting thing that I may have just... Know- oh, sorry. I'm sorry. One more thing. One more thing. One no, thing. you're good. You're good. It's you're good. built you're on, on a roll. big play, and it's built on them running the ball up the middle. That's their offense. That's their offense at this very moment. Throw the ball 30 yards or hand the ball up, up the middle. Go ahead. I would make the argument that it has always been their offense. Probably. Yeah. Until they play behind. And that would be... that. I, I just thought of this, so correct me if I'm wrong. Every single year in Seth Luttrell's tenure... They've ran the same thing until it doesn't work and they're behind and they just have to try stuff to try to win. Uh, 2017, they're not first nine win season. They always were in a shootout. Once their their scripted plays didn't work, they were down by two scores. Okay, let's just throw the ball like we've we'd say we were going to. 2018 comes along, they get down in any game. Oh, let's just throw the ball and then they play an actual team who's able to. Look at that. Like you just said, oh, we don't want you to throw it up to Rico Bussey. Okay, we'll eliminate that. Utah State. Troy. We'll eliminate that. All these teams eliminated that. This is the same thing except you don't have experience. And now it's being amplified. I mean, because you said yourself, in the first half, that's all you're looking at. You're looking at, can they get a first down? You're looking at, can they not punt and throw the interceptions? But then the third quarter came along and they're just like, Okay, well, I guess we're going to lose this game. Let's just do what we wanted to do. Let's play hurry up. Let's run, have outside runs. Let's give the ball to Oscar out of way in different ways. And I feel like the lack of in-game adjustments when it's 0-0 is a very big issue. I agree. I, I agree that it's become monotonous, this offense. In the past, now we're in year five. 
it's become far too predictable to me. And maybe that's just because I've watched every game multiple times. Um, but if I'm seeing it, it college coaches are a thousand times smarter than me when it comes to look, when they see a play. Year. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when they see a play and they see that it, something works, they see three other things right there that the defense could possibly do to slow that down. I'm just seeing what the offense is doing and what works. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's sustainable. Latrell cannot look at it like I'm looking at it. Latrell needs to be, like you said, a step ahead. He needs to not be reactive. He needs to be taking... Proactive, that's the word. Hey, there we go. <laughs> there we go, active. I said active. I'm an idiot. So one of our God, one of our listeners just... Oh, multiple of our listeners just called us idiots, but whatever. There's... There's a very limited amount of proactiveness and to your point, you know, when things are going well, I don't, I, I don't know. Cause I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure what, what you said made complete sense. Okay. Think, but no, I, I understand what you're saying, but I want to okay. repeat it. So that way maybe you hear it okay. in a different way because yes, today they ran stuff. And then in the third quarter, when they were down, they picked up the first first down and they ran hurry up. For majority of the game, they threw the ball a lot. I get that, but I would also argue, which maybe is going to your point. I don't know. Whenever they're up, that's when it's the easiest, and that's when they kind of feel pompous, and they're just like, "Oh, we're gonna run the tight end sets. We're gonna run the hurry up offense." And that's I feel like to go to your point of when it's zero zero, and when it's seven seven, and when it's fourteen fourteen, the adjustments are not there. And I feel like the adjustments aren't there at any point in the game. Like, I, when do you feel like the adjustments are there? I would say that they're there when they... It's like, I feel like... <laughs> this is so stupid sounding. I feel like the way that they're approaching it is if it ain't broke, broke don't fix it. So if it's 0-0 zero, zero, or if it's 7-0, oh, it's close enough. Let's just keep doing what we were doing. It, we'll get it next time. Yeah. 14-14, we'll get it next time. UAB two years ago, third and second and one, third and one. We'll, do, we'll run the same play. How many times did that happen two years ago? How many times did that happened last year? Yeah. The point is, is that every single game that I that we were always disappointed about, it's that they're every game that it's a win, it's either they're playing from behind and then they win at the very end, or it's a blowout from the beginning against bad teams, ACU, uh, UTSA last year, uh, Houston Baptist this year, or you play a team that you feel like you're on the same level as, and you're unable to make those adjustments and you just get blown out. SMU, Utah State, and, Troy, Houston. And that's why I don't know if... That's why I'm trying to figure out where the adjustments come from. So you're saying... I'm saying that... Once they get down, they adjust. I'm saying once they get down, they have nothing to lose. But I'm saying once they get down, they're still playing the same way. It's just they're playing freer. They're playing... That, that's the adjustment. Okay, yes, yes. It's a, that, so that's it's, an, it's but it's like, not a tactical adjustment as much as I a disagree. mental adjustment. I disagree. Because but they're playing hurry up. That's what they always want to do. But why don't why don't you start a game like that? Because they can't get a first down. Well, like last year, when they get a first down on the second drive. Oh yeah, last year. They you know kinda, what I'm saying? Like, it's, yes. it's, it's it's dink and dunk passes until you're down far and oh let's throw the ball. I, that's that's what it always has been, and it, and I think that's the most infuriating thing to me is that why aren't you doing the the play that you come up with to quote unquote make an adjustment first is a fake punt on your own 25 yard line, like. No, it, it why does. not instead do you do a just have Jason Bean do something that's not 
yes, running. We're, yes, we're, <laughs> you know what yes, I mean. We're not. We're, we're not. Yeah, we're not coaches in that respect to um, give you. But it does feel like a limited palette. Um, it does feel like they're grasping at straws when they try making adjustments. I think that's yeah. the best way to put it. Is yeah. that, like you said, the punt, the fake punt, felt like, oh, we're gonna catch them off guard, and then we'll be then we'll be able to do what we want to do. Exactly. Instead of changing their game plan and, you know, adjusting and maybe make making adjustments with the quarterbacks that you put out there because you have two quarterbacks, for God's sakes. And so I don't want to spend too much time on this. I don't even know what, what exactly we're talking about. We're talking about adjustments from Latrell right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think there's many adjustments at all in any point, portion of the game. I think that, yes, there are mental differences in how they approach the game from when they're down and when they're up but the game plan itself is still in place and i feel like they just kind of are more free in that respect um that was our entire recap of the game (laughs) now i have one more point to extend from the the trail slash quarterbacks and it might be kind of controversial and Uh uh-oh i don't I don't want to say this. Say it. And this get, is the, it's, it is two o four in the morning. We've been doing this for an hour already. Say what you got to say. It's flying. Um, I feel, and I, I'm. This is just how I feel. <laughs> Good preface. No, how nobody else feels. Colin <laughs> doesn't feel this way yet. I feel this way. I feel like Latrell is being arrogant trying to coach these two quarterbacks. And I kind of already said it in a sense. I've kind of already said it in that they're not being coached up well enough. Mm-hmm. But in the post-game pressers, and when every time I talk to them, him, it's kind of like we have two quarterbacks that can win us games. And I've already gone on a spiel about how I want quarterbacks that will win us games. I've already said that. He's the quarterback coach. I feel like he truly believes... I'm good enough to coach two quarterbacks that can start at a Division One level. Think about that. That's a good point. Think about that. That's Think about good. how tough that is. That's true. Seth, you are saying, not just at a Division One level, at an FBS level, and at what you want to be a championship level. That sounds incredibly difficult. Yeah. You are saying that you can coach Jason Bean on Austin Ani, no experience, retro sophomore. Two different games. Two completely different games. You can coach both of them so well that it doesn't matter who the hell you play. <laughs> oh, Jason Bean's not playing well? Oh, just put Austin I coached him too. Colin, I don't know if you know this, but I'm Seth Latrell and I coached Austin Ani too. And I can put Austin Ani out there and he's going to be good. And if he's not good, then I can put Jason Bean back out there because I'm going to tell him something, and then he'll be good again. That's what it feels like. Am I wrong? I can't sit here and disagree with you at all okay. because now I'm looking at this SMU game completely different. That's how I look at it. That's how I've been looking that at it. That is ex- I'm crazy. Completely the opposite. Tell me I'm crazy until I'm not crazy, Colin. I don't think... This, hope I, hope this inadvertently mind. goes back to me saying that they could just run two quarterbacks all year. Even though I kind of meant that sarcastically because it would mean that one didn't separate from the other. Whereas you're saying is that they would run two quarterbacks because both are equally as good 
Wow. Because Latrell because, believes in himself. Be, because he believes that they're that it's not because one. It's not because of them. It's because of him. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what it's about. That is an interesting take. And honestly, I can kind of see that because Ani played so long. Why did Ani not come out of the game, Colin? Because Seth Luttrell was right. Because he saw... I'll let you get your points off because you you can have different points. But I'm saying, and this goes just to what I'm saying, is that if Jason Bean's not playing well, oh, I I have the solution now. I have the solution. Me, I have the solution. <laughs> it's late. Austin Ani. No, I no. I go got, drop two hundred fifty yards. I'm done. I, no, I I got you. And that's and that's what's interesting. He didn't keep him out there to what I thought was to make sure that he wanted to make sure that he could he would be the starter against Houston. It's more so just like, oh, he's playing well. When second he plays bad, throw out Jason Bean. And the question. And the answer that got me to that point in the post-game presser was when he said Jason Bean played well against Houston Baptist and Ani played well against SMU. And that's basically all he freaking said. And when he said that, I said, he doesn't know what he wants. He knows what he thinks he can do for these guys. It's not working the other way around. It's not what they can do for him. It's what he is doing and what he is constructing with this offense and with these quarterbacks against whatever defense he plays and whatever defense he see, whatever offense, whatever quarterback he sees fit for the defense after the first few possessions, after you're down 21-0, then they make the adjustment. It's such a flawed style of thinking. That is. But that's what I feel. And maybe I'm crazy. That, I don't, but See, that is an interesting, maybe not to the, God complex way exactly. you you, yes. you said it. I might have hyperbolized it a little bit, but I under I definitely see that more, especially after this game, only because Austin's been yeah. so long. I was just thinking like, that's a good point. No, that's a really great point. Like Wallace is gone, man. He's having to coach these dudes by himself. Like, and, and this goes back to what I said like wouldn't a long this, time ago, wouldn't, of just saying that it's hard to coach two quarterbacks. Like it's hard to prepare two quarterbacks for the starting job. Like that's that's all I'm saying. And it goes back to your point. Why not just prepare one? Yes, exactly. Speaking of preparing one, do you have a one that you'd like to see against Houston? Yeah, I'm on Austin Ani now. Same. Easy. I'm I'm so flaky. You want I'm so flaky. No, I'm I'm completely on the Ani train. Even though I almost got off of for a little bit there. Sorry, guys. Ani bots. Go ahead. No, I almost did. Whenever I was no, like, I, okay. Anyways, the fact that Austin Ani can run made Jason Bean obsolete. He is a microwave after the toaster oven came out. Boom. <laughs> this dude, first of all, Jason Bean didn't throw a pass in his six first uh, six plays. Five, yeah. Austin Ani comes out, runs, then throws a pass. And it's like, oh my god, scored a rushing touchdown, scrambling. Like, are you kidding? He's quick. Dude's got wheels. Yeah. And the only reason why we said that you'd want to use Jason Bean is if you wanted to do start go to more toward a dual threat offense. And the fact that Austin can run and to what we still both think, I'm assuming you yes. still think this can pass better. Yes. You have no reason to play Jason Bean. None. None. I everything you just said is exactly what I think. Austin on him running that touchdown in. In a way that I think exactly how Jason Bean would have done it. Because, again, this comes back to what you said. 
Austin's quick. Jason Bean is fast. Now, Jason is just as quick as Ani, but if they're both the same as far as quickness goes, getting from like, you know, point A to point B, that's only like three yards away, or maybe making one move and going, Jason Bean needs that head of steam. Right. And every time he runs, I'm like, why doesn't he look fast? Like, that's what I think. Like, this is a guy that ran, like, a, what, a sub-11, 100 meters, something like that. I don't know, something crazy. Like, he's a sprinter. I'm like, why does he not look fast? Oh, it's because he's a sprinter. Like, he's not out here. It's it's a different type of speed that you have when you're right. running a 100 meters. Explosiveness meter. is a lot acceleration. different. Acceleration. That's how I basically classify it. Quickness, acceleration, right. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, Um, And the fact that Austin Ani, the baseball player... Looks just as quick. Again, we're not saying fast. We're saying quick. There's a difference. Just as quick as Jason Bean. I see no reason. Right. I think it's just like a first step in basketball. Exactly. I think basketball is a better translates better to what you know. We're looking like Kyler Murray, for instance. In that, I wouldn't want to guard him on a basketball court. (laughs) Meanwhile, Josh (laughs) Allen is uh, maybe just as fast because his strides are longer and he's a bigger guy, but. I can stay in front of him on the basketball court. Same thing. If you're going to tackle someone, you're staying in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So I, I agree with everything you said. I'm. Do you think Seth follows through that with that? Yes. I yes. was before your point, I was gonna say yes and I'll still say yes about the him thinking that he can run two two guys out there. Yeah. Only because I feel like to my original thought process was that he kept Ani out there. To give him the reassurance that yes, this is this will happen, and that's why I think he kept the starters in so long was so he could be like, okay, I know that he can make this throw the Darden on this route. I know he can, you know, whatever him and Attaway can do this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I think I think he is the starter moving forward, cons- <laughs> pending some ridiculous collapse. Yeah. Um, I won't spend too much time on this. Um, Jason Bean did have his head down to a certain extent. Um. I mean, obviously, it sucks to not play that well and then lose your job like right off the bat, which is was my concern coming into this having two quarterbacks mess. Like, you know, you're gonna hurt their feelings. You're gonna if you're still trying to do this going into week four now because that's what this is. I know it's game three, but it's week four. You're gonna get you're gonna have some bad blood at some some point. You can't tell me if I'm me and you are on the same team and I think I'm better than you. And they're giving you all the snaps. I'm going to tell Joe, be like, what the hell is coach doing? Why is he playing Colin? Like, I, right. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm a bad teammate. Probably. Um, but let, let's, let's, let's keep moving on. Let's keep moving on. Let's keep moving on. Um, panic meter, Colin scale of one to 10. You know, the drill y'all know what we do here. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, maybe, maybe one of your friends referred it. I don't know, but we do a panic meter. We didn't do one against Houston Baptist because no that game was to. kind of a practice game. But if you just go listen to any of our podcasts from last year, literally any of them, you will hear us freaking out about the panic meter. I think you can go listen to one that's titled 10. That was our only 10 ever from a podcast. From a, Shout from out a that year. first 10. Actually, no, it was two 10s because the next week was also a loss. That I was think the one bad. before Rice was the panic meter. Was and Charlotte Rice was the 10, 10 one? And then Rice was the next one? I think so. Somewhere like that. All I know is that panic meter 10 makes me feel really sad. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> new year, new fresh start. Obviously, new team. Colin, scale of one to ten. 
Where's your panopinia at? Again, 10 being the most concerned. Blow it up, as we said last year. Season's over. Season's over. And one being everything's great. You're going to go play in a good bowl game, and you're happy. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid five right now, just in the middle. Uh, I think if they go with Ani, he did show some good things on season rhythm. And they're not. It's not going to be the twenty-one zero, whatever, whatever, whatever. They're going to have some kind of consistency. I think they'll be okay. Maybe not against Houston, but <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be okay. Except not the next game they play. Well, I just had to, you know, preface that. I don't know how the defense will look against Houston. All right, Colin. The definition of panic for you. Thank you. Sudden, uncontrollable fear or anxiety, often causing wildly unthinkable, unthinking behavior. Meter. That's what the new name is. <laughs> just that definition. I just mean. wanted to tell you. Yeah, I know what panic what means. What panic you. means. Thank you. For that reason, I'm at a four. Wow, you you did all that for for a four. Yes, I just wanted to say that. I almost went with a three, but I'm gonna stay a four uh, because. Obviously, this was an awful showing, but there's a reason we came into this podcast and said, yeah, well, you know, well, we, we have to see. That's basically what we said is that, uh, you know, well, we kind of expected this. Last year, we didn't expect to lose, and they did. But this year, it's kind of a different approach is that they have a lot of young players. They have a lot of changes. You know, we're, we're trying to feel out this team to an extent. I can't put anything above a four because I'm not coming in here. Uh, you didn't have tears on your face when I came in here, so yeah, yeah. That, and if I had tears, that's at least a seven. Oh uh, yes, tears is definitely seven. Seven. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say a four. Um, don't get me wrong, I can still get up to probably eight, nine. I don't know if I could hit a ten. Probably, I could probably hit a ten. Um, this year, but um, it would take a lot. It would take a lot if they started doing the quarterback carousel again. Whereas again, this year, <laughs> I'm gonna bypass that statement because that would be crazy. But um. I had them going five and six this year. I'm you had them six going six and five. five. They went four and eight last year. I think there's a good chance they could still go five and six. So we'll see. Um, all right. Now we got to get into this topic again. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Katie and Tyreek, both of them listed out due to medical reasons. We got nothing else. We were not told anything else. We weren't even told anything on the DL. We weren't told like. Oh yeah, you know this. There were happened. no sources. No sources. I got no sources for y'all. Which means only one thing is possible, Colin, because I talked to Katie Davis on Tuesday. Well, it's so, COVID. So <laughs> there you go. I just uh, sorry, guys. I broke the news. No. Okay. Again, we don't know this. Right. We but, have no clue. We but, have zero idea. But we we're putting two and two together here. Reading the right on the wall because again on Tuesday. I talked to Katie Davis, seemed perfectly healthy. And the fact you didn't get any DL sources is almost like the exact opposite of giving a source. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But again, (laughs) talked to him on Tuesday. We saw the depth chart. They were on. Wasn't there a thing that came out a couple days ago that said two athletes tested positive? Yes, there was. But then Seth shot it down, and then I talked to Katie Davis, and he was fine too. But again, and it was that was in the athletic department, so that could have been oh, softball, okay. basketball, okay. literally anything. Um, it could have been staff members, anything. Here's another reason why I assume it was COVID. You see what I'm holding my hand, Colin? Depth chart. This is the depth chart that they put out on our table at the media day 
or at the media row ahead of games. And you know who's on here? At starting, Tyreek Davis and KD Davis. Mm. These were not printed before Tuesday. These yeah. were not printed before Wednesday, I bet. I bet these were printed probably on like Thursday or Friday. Once they got the starters out of SMU and once they figured out who was healthy, who was going and everything. This this was a very thorough thing. I guarantee you they this was not printed before Thursday. Yeah. And their last round of tests, they test Wednesday, I believe Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one of those two. I'm assuming, again, we know nothing. I'm assuming that Friday test took one of them out and contact tracing. Maybe they live together. I don't know. Took the other one out. This is what I have to assume. Bigger question now. Lots of teams are canceling games. What is your prediction on so, stuff like this? So, Bomani uh, Jones from ESPN. Shout out Bomani. Yeah, shout out Bomani. Made a good point on uh, Highly Questionable the other day. Uh, often I don't, um, you know, bring North Texas issues into a bigger light. But he's just talking about holding the Big Ten accountable for their test, you know. Making sure that we keep tab tabs on them because they're taking it so seriously, and just them taking it seriously doesn't mean we give them a pass. If right, you know. it's not like the NFL where everything's documented. Exactly. The a lot of college teams are not providing COVID like results. Um, Ed Orgeron basically said, "Oh yeah, half of our team has had it, um, you know, and they're fine, and so we're hoping they don't catch it again." But none of that's on record. That's where the concern is, is that if you're not providing records of who's healthy and who's not, we are left to assume, and it looks like you're hiding stuff until it gets bad enough to where you have to cancel games. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we have eight positive tests. Right. But really, Whole two position weeks, groups knocked out. <laughs> yeah, but really, two weeks ago, we had two positive tests, and we weren't didn't tell you all about it. We just call, ruled them out. And then things progressed, trace, trace, boom, boom, boom. We're out for a game. It feels dirty. They don't owe it to us, but I feel like from a no, uh, no, 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 from a public, no, 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 they owe it to us from a public health that, side no, of things. No, and that's why they owe it to us is because it's not like it's just the players and the coaches. You got and it's equipment not a, people. You got, yes. I mean, their families. You got the media people. You got journalists like you and I. I mean, there's it's more than. I mean, you got you got dudes who aren't even the athletes or the coaches getting tested three times a week. Yeah, like this is a whole machine. And although I'm assuming, just like you, that North Texas is doing a good job of that. Like you said, LSU. Like if if you and I were covering LSU right now, we we'd have some issues. Yeah, because they do owe it to us in in a time like this where. You have to rule out players because they're sick with something that has flu symptoms. Yeah. And I, again, not to get dark or anything, but uh, 200,000 people have died from this. Right. And my, uh, what's that heart thing? Myocarditis. I can't pronounce it. It's still being traced. Um, And all of these, even if, even if. Even if people like let's let's just say let's just say Orgeron, you know, assumes, you know, oh they'll be fine, you know, whatever this and that's how he talks and whatnot. <laughs> Even if all that's true, you still have to not only follow up with those players, because in three months there have been 
times where players and people in three months have had serious conditions as a result of something they as a result of COVID they had three or four months ago. Like it's something that you have to keep track of. It's not just this one time thing. Like oh, they had it. Right. It's not, it's not they don't like get it again. the flu where your immune system gets over it. And and to go on top of that, just because it doesn't affect a twenty-two year old or like you and I, yeah, like there's older dudes around the team, yeah. Like well, one of the photographer guys that that I'm that I know, like he has he's on underlying issues. Yeah, I mean there there the, there's more responsibility within outside of just the team. It's not like a, t- a player gets an ACL tear and he can't play. Yeah, it's he's sick with something that can kill a dude that's not as healthy as he is yeah so um for all those reasons a i'm hoping it's not covid i'm hoping maybe they got sick or something but again we're assuming it is COVID just because of all of the lines and we're not stupid <laughs> um all the lines point to it and we um i'm assuming this takes them out for houston the only way i would say it wouldn't is if the only thing that they had was that say this wasn't printed on thursday and that it was printed this morning or something and that they had a fever and they don't want to say, you know, obviously no I don't way. know. No, because think about it. If they had a fever, they're saying it was not COVID. See, I don't know if they'd say that. A hundred percent they would. Because do you think they'd get a test right away? I think right off the bat. Well, A, they were tested for COVID in, on Friday. So they would know. Oh, okay. I didn't they're know tested that. on Wednesdays. Uh, they're tested on Fridays. Okay, 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 okay. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Someone was sick. It was Asanani. Asanani was sick and he missed like two or three practices in the spring, in the fall. And um, that's when Jason Bean got a lot of snaps. They was like, Oh, Jason Bean might've taken over, but they stressed it is not COVID. Okay. That's interesting. Well, then there you go. Writings on the wall. I feel like that's just, they would have stressed that so hard if it was no. not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So again, we hope, uh, um, again, all prayers, all, um, you know, everything to, Katie and Tyreek hope they're okay we don't know anything we're just again reading the writing on the wall um, hope they're okay hope that they you know overcome this and can quarantine not infect anyone else and everything we find if that is the case um, and we'll see I doubt they're going to be available for Houston if it is in fact COVID yep there's, there's no way there's none yeah there's no way especially since I talked to them on Tuesday yeah and, and even only- if it was on Wednesday when they got it that's still only nine ten days before houston which would be kind of tough um okay anyways now we got that out of the way uh i have two more things here which i guess we could just run through real quickly um on a scale of one to ten how bad does this loss look on latrell i feel like we've talked about latrell a lot last week i said that he's on the hot seat if he loses really bad (laughs) Uh, on the hot seat, Colin. Which, by the way, I didn't know what the hot seat meant. Like he's about <laughs> to get fired, like that day. Sorry, by the way. Um, I again, I think it's something you start to look at if you're on Baker. You obviously could still completely plan to keep him long for the long haul, but I think you need to go and look at it. Okay, we're having the same issues on offense, regardless of how the talent on the team. You can look at a team and be like, okay, they're sticking to the script too long, or whatever. And I think that it's important to look at things like that because you have to look at the reasons why he was successful in the past. And that's because, like we said earlier, he hit on guys. Yeah. That's not necessarily a indictment on how well he is able to develop. I, I, don't, I still think this year is he gets a complete pass. Complete. Sure. But 
if the pass is this year, next year is when okay. the actual hot yeah. seat would come. No, for sure, for sure. 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm just saying there'd be like rumblings this year where it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, let's let's look at it. Let's not sign him to an extension like we did two years ago. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you just said. Um, And then main concerns moving forward. Again, lack of adjustments. Okay. I think that it's important to... With it, this is not the same team as years past, and you can't even compare that it is. Here's something for you. Which side of the ball is more concerning moving forward? Offense. Because defense will get there once they play more snaps. And I I, I will st- I will stick to that until the end of the season. So the ceiling's higher be- for the defense. So the defense can be better. The ceiling is not def- necessarily higher, but the degree of change from where they are now is higher. Okay. Because it's not like last year where I thought that refit was the issue. I think Clinton Bowen knows what he's doing. He obviously, like you said, coached yes. NFL-level players and everything. He knows what he's doing. The players aren't there yet. Whereas last year, I think the players had a lot of talent yeah. and Refit wasn't there. This offense is not last year's offense or the year before that's offense. You need Seth needs to be able to work around what he has now as opposed to trying to fit and mold players to what they aren't. Yeah. And that's what we saw what we're seeing with Jason Bean. I mean, he looks scared in the pocket. Um Yeah, I think the, the offense is my concern. Only because you can't just keep doing what you've been doing this whole time. Those are good points. Those are good points right there, Colin. I don't even want to. Yeah, I don't even want to say anything else after that. Um, that's all I had written down. I'm trying to think if we missed anything. It's almost an hour and a half podcast. I think that was really good. Um, any they... questions you miss? Just to run... I'm pretty sure I did not. But let me let me let me reread them. All right, we got North Texas Eagle. We got NTSN. <laughs> we got Taylor. We got David. We got Alejandro. We got Mean MF Green. Uh, we answered your question about uh, M- uh, me and MF Green. We answered your questions about the offsides and false starts, uh, kind of it just being a team that's kind of scared of the opponent and then a team that's antsy to make plays. Uh, David Mudry asked, did the Murphy brothers play snaps tonight? Um, good situation to get them experience. Yes, it would have been a great exp- time to get them experience, but instead they wanted to play a fullback that is a retro senior at linebacker. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. Uh, that's, that's it. Thank you all for your questions. Thank you all for interacting with us. We really appreciate it. Um, anything else, Colin? I'm surprised there wasn't a question about Trey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trey Siggers basically just has kind of like his the same knee that he's been rehabbing the entire offseason. And... The reason why he kind of looks a step slow in the HBU game is the same reason he's out. They're just trying to make get him back to 100, 100%, I think. Yeah, and at this point, especially for ACL tears and stuff like that, it's, it's a, a lot of it's mental. Yeah, so. I don't, it wasn't ACL tear. It was a, something with a knee, like a broken knee or something. Oh, like well, sorry. Yes. But his, still le- along- his left knee, It's you have to trust the knee again. Yes, exactly. And, and that's tough for, for people to do. For sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, Colin, we've covered everything. That was a thorough podcast. I'm very happy with that. It is 2.30 in the morning. I feel great. I feel great. I, I don't know what to say. I've unbuttoned all the buttons on my shirt. Still didn't take the belt off. The belt is still on. We're still oh, we're still in our dress clothes. I don't well, even know what to I don't, say. I'm in sweat shorts. Yeah, but that's how you dress. So that's how you... It's a pass. I've only seen you dressed up once, and I I wasn't even there in person. That's when you went to that gathering. Christmas thing? 
Was it the Christmas thing? Yeah, I don't know. I wore the red sports coat. Yeah. yeah. That's the only time I've ever seen you dress But it up. was good. And I didn't even see you. But it was Did good. Did you return that sports coat? No. You still have it? Yeah. Why would so I man, Colin that? wore a red blazer. It was live to a Christmas with gap, red with a red plaid shirt and uh, black slacks. Hey man, and some uh, oh, I forgot what kind of shoes man, they were. Styling. It was nice. I've never looked that good, man. And that's tough because you know <laughs> I don't look good anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, everyone. Um, check out all of the content that we um put out. After the game, uh, with the player of the game, with the um, uh, recap, with uh, the cider that I put out on basically what we talked about. I think I put it pretty well. I enjoyed that story. Uh, So check that cider out uh, tomorrow or today. Good Lord. Today we'll have out, um, I'll have out my 10 takeaways and then I will be watching NFL football because I have three fantasy football teams that I have to worry about. And it's a lot of work. I've, I yeah, I figured out how to get NFL red zone though. So NFL what? Red zone. Figured it out, huh? Yeah. Wink, wink. So <laughs> I, hate you. I will be watching a lot of football uh, whenever I wake up because it is two thirty in the morning for God's sakes. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, follow us on Twitter, CJH Mitchell. Yeah, CJH Mitchell. Um, for Colin Matthew Bruni underscore for me. Mean Green 24-7. Again, that's where we post every story we do. Um, subscribe to Mean Green 24-7. Still 30% off the entire year. $1 for a month. Um, that deal, I don't know if we have any promos coming up. I would wish I could let y'all know that. I'm sure we'll have one in the coming weeks. Um, subscribe to us on Apple and follow us on SoundCloud. Those numbers mean a lot to Colin, so make him happy. Wow. And then leave us a rating on Apple. You just go over to our homepage. You just press the little button that says see episodes or whatever. Then you scroll all the way down. It's kind of a lengthy process. Just scroll down and you press the five stars. That's all you have to do. I feel like you turned me into a crybaby on this podcast. All, <laughs> right? I say you're crying before the pod. And I, I care about ratings I say you so care bad. about ratings. Anyways, yeah, just scroll down, press the five stars. If you want to leave us a, rate, a review as well, we appreciate it. Um, all y'all support is, a, is appreciated. I cannot stress that enough. We love what we do and we love... Covering this team for y'all, even though it is stressful after a 65 to 35 loss. With all that being said, for Maya Mitchell, for Colin Mitchell, I'm Matthew Bruni. Y'all stay safe, and we'll talk to y'all later.